0: This episode is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice. It is so easy to get started with Linode. Servers start at just 5 bucks a month. We host Changelog on Linode cloud servers and we love it. We get great 24/7 support, Zeus-like powers with native SSDs, a super fast 40 gigabit per second network, and incredibly fast CPUs for processing. And we trust Linode because they keep it fast, they keep it simple. Check them out at linode.com/changelog. From ChangeLog Media, you're listening to the ChangeLog, a podcast featuring the hackers, the leaders, and the innovators of software development. I'm Adam Stukoviak, editor in chief here at ChangeLog. Today, I'm at KubeCon Cloud Native Con, talking to. Frances compoy we talk about the work he's doing at source to apply machine learning to source code and turn that code base into actionable insights it's a movement they're driving called machine learning on code we talk to their open source products how they work what types of insights can be gained and we also talk through the code analysis Frances did on the kubernetes code base this is as close as you get to the bleeding edge and i'm very interested to see where this goes You're at Sourced now. What's uh, g- give me the breakdown of what sourced is is it formed around open source? Everything right now is open source, right? So, so there's nothing you have is a paid product at
1: least, yeah. Everything we do is open source. Uh, we are working on an enterprise edition for one of the products. Uh, and basically the whole idea is that it will everything will be keep on being open source except for one thing that allows our product to work distributed. So uh to, back up a little bit and give a little bit of context. Uh, what we do at Source is our tagline is machine learning for large-scale code analysis. OK, and I, like it, that. I like that tagline. We worked on that tagline for quite a while. so <laughs> I'm happy you like it. Uh, the it's synced
0: I- and it gets the message across.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's the whole point. The whole idea behind it is um, when you're writing code, normally people think about the fact that you write code then you build it, and you ship something. And what you ship is what, what matters, right? Mm-hmm. Source code is just a way to get there. And what we realized is that, actually, it's a huge and very, very deep source of data. Uh, when you have a Git repository, you can actually see what's happened there since the beginning of time until now. Uh, you can actually analyze trends. You can you can see so much stuff in there. So uh, what we did is created this engine product that basically what it does it Uh, provides a SQL interface. So you can find things in a repository. So you can do things like, oh, find commit messages with this text or whatever. But you can actually go even deeper than that and go into, uh, actually, I want to see the content of the file. I want to parse it. I want to extract the function names. I want to extract the the strings or whatever, right? So there's a bunch of different projects that make this possible. And basically, uh, every single one of those projects is completely open source. And I created a product which is called The Engine, which is putting all those together in a nice way to use. Little binary, you get started and everything just works. Uh, And then the other side of things that we're doing, so that is what we call the code as data, right? Seeing source code as a source of data. And the other part is ML on code. And ML on code is the part that I've been talking around because it's super exciting. The whole idea is uh, learning stuff from source code. Uh, one of the things that you can learn, for instance, is say, uh, to predict uh, a token in a program if you're given the rest, right? I give you a Go program, and uh, I'm just, I, I remove one variable name from somewhere, and I, you need to predict it. You train a neural network to do this, and eventually we'll be able to do this quite correctly. Now, what we try to do is not to predict the missing pieces of a program because in general programs do not have missing pieces but what we can see is that if what we predict and what you wrote is very very different and even more than that what you wrote we know that is unpredictable what we can tell you is that probably that's a bug right so mm. these these are like a very it's slightly complicated way of doing it but what this detects is copy paste errors when you copy a section of code and paste it somewhere else and you modify a bunch of things, but probably when you're checking for the error, that's not what you wanted, and you're checking for the previous error or something like that. Like that happens all the time. I know it happens to me all the time. And uh, with this, you're actually able to detect it directly. Building something that would use static analysis for that, it is, it is possible, but it's really hard because static analysis leads with, uh, so deals with. Uh, syntaxes and like, grammar and stuff like that, but not really with the semantics of the program. Like, uh, I, I like this idea when you're writing code, there's two things. There's what you say and what you mean. Right? And when those two things differ, that's when you have a bug. Right? When you're saying, oh, actually that's not what I meant, sorry. You need to, to, fi- to fix it. What we're trying to do is apply machine learning to see what you meant and compare it to what you, what you said. And see whether we can find bugs in there. Yeah, And that's super interesting, super powerful, and we are doing a lot in that, but that is more like the future. <laughs> Currently, the, the cool thing that we just released yesterday was uh, an analysis of the Kubernetes code base.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I was that's, ask you, that's a pretty lengthy, data filled yeah. blog post. Great job on that.
1: I mean, that, the cool thing is that Good timing, too. so much data in there, right? Like, uh, you have almost two million lines of code. And we've been working on that project for since 2014, I think. Right. So that's a lot of data in there. Yeah. And we were able to find things like oh, so uh, how many exported uh, functions are there, and how did that grow over time, right? Uh, we, fig- we, we saw that from version one to version th- one point, so one, one 1.0 to 1.4, the number, the API grew by four times the size which is bad, like, if you're having that, if you kept on doing that, it means that by now, we would have it, so it went from 4,000 to 16,000. If we kept on going the same pace, we would have something like around 100,000 endpoints. That is not maintainable. It's too complex, and no contributor would be able to think about Kubernetes as a thing. You had to split it into pieces, right? Right. So, So yeah, we were able to see all of these things, super interesting, and the whole idea behind that article was, you know, Give back to the community. Like, when you tell to the community, hey, you're doing great, like, right. you're maturing and, and you can tell, yeah. and like the innovation is uh, somewhere else, which means that the APIs are really good. All of these data, uh, I mean, it's not newsworthy, I'd say, right? Because it's nothing crazy new. Right. But it's just confirmation through data that this feeling of Kubernetes is doing well, it is actually accurate.
0: Right. You also were able to account for the different languages within yeah. Kubernetes, so it shows where there's declines or growths, or you know, even for uh, developers who are thinking about transitioning to a different language, like just identifying where some of their future value for their career could be. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of indications around that. Or even, as you mentioned, contributors and healthy growth and things like that, those are all indicators of like, well, people are here at this conference 8,000 now versus 4,000 yeah. last year in Austin what that shows is a significant sign of investment and in betting on Kubernetes. Yeah. So understanding that it is healthy, in fact, based on true data,
1: And that's the amazing. cool thing is I, I will open source uh, the, the way I, I did all of these analysis, but it is literally just a bunch of SQL and a bunch of Python, right? And it's not that complicated. Uh, I mean, I'm not a good Pythonista. <laughs> like, let's, not, let's not go there, but I'm not really good at writing Python. I had to learn a lot. But still, like it's actually pretty straightforward. Like when you say for instance, I wanna count all of the languages that I have, basically what you're doing is like, okay, so give me all the files and I'm gonna use this language function that classifies and tells you what language it is, and classify that. Easy. And now give me the I think we are around at seventy two thousand commits on your Kubernetes code base. So I'm gonna do it every one thousand. So every one thousand commits, find how many you have and just write the Create the plot right yeah so it 's actually very straightforward, but the information we got from that was super interesting, like I shared it with Chris Nova and Joe Beta, and they were very interested in checking it out. They found a little bug <laughs> because um uh apparently I'm not very good at reading. So uh instead of million lines of code on the PR that was sent to many analysts, instead I said billions. Oh gosh.
0: There's a difference
1: there. Yeah, so Joe Beta now is calling me Mr. Billions, which is awesome. Nice.
0: <laughs> so the example you're sharing here, at least with the analysis, um is an
1: open source project. Yeah, all right? of this is open source, and not only open source, but also Apache V2. Well, so, what I mean is is analyzing an open source code
0: base. So yeah. maybe give an example of, say, how this applies to enterprises, maybe somebody that's yeah. got their internal code. I know most things are open source, but we're building our own products, and those products tend to be you know, behind the scenes and the things we touch tangentially through dependencies or contributions are in the open source world. So how does, how does sourced it's engine right it's sourced engine source engine yeah so how does that apply in a case where it's my own
1: code how do i run it on my own code bases so uh you can run it exactly the same way the cool thing is that since the beginning we've developed all of the tools we've built to be run on-prem right okay because i mean i used to work at google um if you go to a googler and you tell them hey we're gonna be sending your source code over the network to so- to some random server they're gonna be like there's no way you're doing that right like so we knew that uh, source code is a very, very delicate piece of data. So everything can run uh, on-prem. Everything runs on Docker. So you can even have a Helm chart and just start everything up mm-hmm. very easy. Uh, and everything is open source. So not problem with like, that. But would you do this on a laptop? Or would you do this at the server level? I mean, it depends like, on the, the amount interface. of code you have. If you're yeah. doing it on a laptop, um, I yeah, it's gonna take some time. I was running it on the analysis so that I did is highly for the
0: process intensive.
1: Yeah, the, I mean it's pretty large because it's big data, right? So, uh, the analysis that I did for the Kubernetes codebase, I was running on an instance on Google Cloud Platform, with I think it's ninety-six cores. <laughs> So, you know, a pretty large instance. Like, yeah. And yeah, the analysis of like counting all of the languages for all of the commits over time took around 10 minutes. So, you know, it's not that bad actually. Right. But if you're trying to do this for a very large thing, 96 cores, it's going to be maybe enough at the beginning, but eventually you want to have it distributed. And that's where basically we're saying, you know, once you need more than one node, then it's enterprise edition and we, we should talk. Because the whole idea is that we want to give as much as possible to the open source community. Especially the engine can be a really powerful way to obtain data for all of the research part of uh, machine learning, right? There's a lot of people doing research and they need data sets. The fact that they will be able to generate those data sets by running SQL queries that they already know very well, its super powerful. So we want to make sure that they get access to that but for larger companies that they want to do analysis. And the interesting thing is that uh, those metrics that we, we we came out with, you can tweak them, right? Uh, and we are going to come up with a, kind of a catalog of the kind of metrics that you should be figuring out, like looking at. So for instance, if you're adopting, if you're saying, I'm going to be moving on cloud-native, right, like cloud-native computing foundation, I'm going to mo- go cloud-native. Cool, what are the things that you should be looking at? Well. You should have Dockerfile. You should have continuous integration. You should have continuous deployment. All of these things nowadays, they're in the source code. Mm-hmm. right? So we can analyze those things and give you a little bit of an idea of you know, uh, if you're going towards being cloud native, how far away are you from getting there? And also, what are the things that you should be changing? What pieces of the source code should be worked on in order to get there? So that is super useful, because basically the whole idea is that it brings visibility to processes like, Going cloud native or adopting inner source or uh, adopting DevOps. like most, Lots of people talk about, oh, we're going to be doing DevOps. What does that mean, right? Uh, there's actually clear things Please in Please answer code. that. Oh, yeah, it means, so, <laughs> I mean, how many hours do we have? <laughs> no, like uh, doing DevOps, right? Like it can be many, many things, but right. the beginning is well, you're going to need to have clear observability, you're going to have metrics, you're going to have a lot of different things that then you're going to be like, fetching into some systems that will allow you to understand what your system is doing, right? But all of the observability things, again, it's source code. Uh, when you think about infrastructure as code, where do you find that? Source code, right? So we keep on putting more and more stuff inside of Git repositories. And what we're trying to do is, sure, that's great. But now let's analyze it. Let's use that data we put in there to try to understand what's going on. Right. And the cool thing about b- being SQL, because I was actually And I'm still thinking about offering a GraphQL thing because uh, Git repositories are trees. And once you parse code, you get a tree. So everything's trees. GraphQL for trees is great. But the fact that it's SQL, it allows you to mix it with other data sets. So you have like uh, Looker or Power BI or things like this where you can have many data sets and do a query across many different databases. Imagine doing something where you're saying, OK, so I'm going to the inner source, the whole goal under inner source is really make sure you break the silos in a company and that everybody collaborates with, with each other, right? So like the Google style, Facebook style, even though the inner source term was created at PayPal. Uh, in order to do this, what you need to do, in order to measure how well you're doing, the whole idea is that you need to first know who is in each team. Unfortunately, that is not in your Git dataset, right? So you're going to need to mix it with some other dataset, uh, HR dataset or whatever it is. So, Looker or Power BI or uh, I think that even Tableau they would allow you to do these kind of things. You can look
0: up the repo URL on GitHub if it's a if it's a even if it's a you know private GitHub repo uh, as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the cool thing is that because you have for,
0: teams on at the at the org level, so you could look up not so much by the
1: repo, but yeah, you by could the repo even URL. check it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the thing is that all of that that is the GitHub API. So GitHub we we work with any Git repository. So all of the concepts that we work with are Git. Uh, for now. So that's why, for instance, the organization is a GitHub or GitLab point. Uh, you could expose it from a different data set. Just like download the whole thing, put it in, a, in MySQL, and that's it. Right? Like that, you can do that too. Right. And that's actually really powerful because you can then mix it with, like, if you have financial data or things like this, you can try to see correlations. Like, one that, that I like is the correlation of if we're writing, like, can we correlate the number of commits? With the money we're making, Are mm. developers when yeah. developers write a lot of code, is it good or maybe it's bad? and You should stop your developers from writing more code. Like, or is knows, there right? no?
0: Or is there no relationship at all? And no, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: all of these things, like <laughs> interesting, the data. Once you expose all of that data, our idea is data analysts and data scientists. we they're gonna be able to do really cool stuff with that. It sounds
0: though like Source Engine is is. Uh, Let's maybe use an analogy. I'm a painter. I want to paint a painting, but it sounds like Sourced Engine is just a brush. I still gotta yeah. apply the right kind of colors and understand color theory. So, you're it's a tool to get there, but it's not the I would the say, recipe to get
1: there. Yeah, I would say following that that metaphor, get the I would right say that queries. Sourced Engine would it be? It wouldn't even be like the the, the brush or anything. It would actually be deeper than that, it would be like the thing that, ex- that, that makes the, pa- the, the paint for you. Right? Okay. Like, it's like what you're going to be, you're going to be extracting all of this data. And then with the data, you're going to be painting something. You're going to create your dashboards. You're going to be proving your point, right? Like data and statistics, those are, like, those are not new. We've been using statistics right. to prove our point for quite a while. So the idea is that uh, for data analysts, if you tell a data analyst, oh yeah, you should use Git in order to find this. So, let me explain to you how git uh, let's say uh, git log to start with, right? Like git log works and how branches work and how commits work and what is a merge commit of these things. The data analyst probably stopped listening to you like 5 yeah. minutes ago. So the idea of exposing all of these concepts in a way that data analysts understand is actually really powerful. Because data analyst, also data scientist, and also machine learning, ma- machine learning scientists. So, so, is the
0: interface a config file of queries? Is it a dashboard of queries? Like, what's the so what's they, the interface to like sit down and get something done?
1: So, the interface there is uh, there's a couple of ways of doing it. One is the uh, so the uh, source engine itself is a SQL and SQL interface, right? We do have a playground that allows you to have a list of all of the tables, understands well what a tree is, and shows it better than what you see with traditional SQL client. But I think that the best way to do this is actually with Jupyter. Jupyter Notebooks works incredibly well. That, that's what I've been using, because then it allows you to, you know, you have your text describing what you're measuring, then you have your SQL query that is sent, then you use that the result to use a little bit of Python and then you generate your graph and all of this stays in the same place. That's what I've been using and it's it's a really great experience to be honest. I, I like that better. But if you want to use like the MySQL client from your command line, that works yeah. It's just MySQL. So okay. anything that works with MySQL works with the engine.
0: So the example you've talked us through is and I'd love to if you want to go into some of the data that you pull back for Kubernetes. Oh yeah. So uh, if you want to share some of that. But I also want to Mentioned that that's an example that you've done. What's an example of say someone who is a customer, an adop- an adopter of your open source? Yeah, and you know they're using Source Engine in ways that you weren't. Share some of the imagination, imagination so,
1: users. We've been working with uh, especially large banks, and large banks are really interesting because they have an incredible amount of source code, and that incredible amount of source code goes from like they're cloud-native, Kubernetes, composed, Docker compose, stuff like that, and COBOL, right? Like they, they go all, like all the way back to having COBOL. Uh, when you tell them that they're gonna be able to measure the technical debt, for them it's like, oh, yes, like, let's do this. Some are all about the debt, you know, what's, what's yeah. fine, right? <laughs> True. What's, what's yeah, red, but- what's black? <laughs> no, but like once you, once you tell them, it's like, oh, you know, like um, many banks, they do not re- they do not really even know how much code they have, right? There's so much of it that when you tell them, okay, so how much COBOL how many do you lines have, of code right. Whoa. How many lines of code of COBOL do you think you have? And they're like in between one hundred thousand and like maybe half a million. And it's like, well, if you're going to like put some budget to go and rewrite that in like something more modern, good luck. Right. Like right. With that is the mission. So the idea is that we're gonna be able to bring all of these uh, data to them so they're going to be able to make informed decisions. Uh, there was like, yeah, counting, f- counting lines of code per language, which for us is literally a group by a query. Like, it's super simple to do. For them, it was like, this is actually really interesting. Uh, the other change that m- lots of banks want to do is going back to the inner sourcing, right? They want, they, they, uh, large banks, they have many IT groups all around the organization, and they want them to work together well. And the first piece is to figure out who is doing what, what resembles to what, how much code duplication you have. Like, we, we have a thing that analyzes code duplication, not, not character by character, but rather uh, extracting the abstract syntax tree, modifying some couple things. So it's actually a very smart way of figuring out whether two pieces of code are very similar, right? They're kind of so similar that if you saw them next to each other, you would say, you need to refactor them and just write one function, right? right? We we're able to detect this automatically and this helps a lot because if you imagine you're like the, the CTO of a bank and they tell you it's like, okay, so you have this code base that dates from the sixties and please put it on the cloud, right? That's hard. Like that is that is a harsh thing to ask to anyone. So the idea of being able to tell them, well, actually, all of this source code. Let's see which parts are gonna be the easiest ones, like this MTA, like modernizing traditional applications, which is like not really cloud native, but you know we can make it be cloud native. We can make it run on Kubernetes. And then what is the cobble that, you know, that's gonna be an interesting challenge to to migrate, right? So having a view of all of this by just running a couple of queries. Is really powerful. The other option is literally running. A, I'm going to be very hopeful and say that you could run a really huge bash crib calling Git very, very often. And maybe you will get something similar. Mm-hmm. But it would take hours instead of seconds.
0: Yeah. I think the thing I'm trying to drive at here is that clearly you can pull back a lot of intelligence.
1: Oh, yeah. If yeah. you know what you're
0: looking for. Right. So it seems like maybe some consulting is involved there or at least the right kind of teams in place to know how to ask those questions of
1: so Being what a we're analysis to do, for, yeah, data analyst for example. We're not that interested on the consulting side of things. Uh, we're actually well, not as so much
0: as a company, but it seems like the intermediary. Yeah. There's someone who knows how to use Sourced Engine.
1: There's going to be service right. integrators. There's going to be people not okay. only installing the theme, so but of also you an
0: economy even almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah, With the final product, you'll we would like to, to see have an enterprise version of it, and yeah. or also enable others to. Nowadays you, have, sense of data.
1: Yeah, nowadays, you have many consultants that right. are helping with these kind of tasks, right? What we're building is a super powerful tool for those consultants. Right. So, uh, and then, I mean, they're going to be able to run it internally and keep it as dashboard. So, you know, it's, it's observability. It's all about uh, seeing where we are right now and see where we want to go and how to get there. Once you get there... There hasn't been a lot of tools around this front. I mean, maybe, I mean... Observability
0: on source code, not really, no. I mean, at this level, what you're doing, it kind of reminds me of... uh, You probably know his name. Felipe, I believe, worked at
1: Google, would do these things. Felipe Hoffa. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, His post, I mean, this seems almost...
1: Like you were inspired by the work I he's done. I actually wrote a blog post that was like the one that Felipe worked on. Uh, but actually, I'm pretty sure that mine got more views. So, <laughs> hey, Felipe. <laughs> uh, no, but like uh, the idea was I was trying to analyze on all of the source code that we had on BigQuery, uh, analyzing which is the most common package name or which is the most common uh, package we import and stuff like that. And it was everything like it was cool to do but also regular expressions everywhere yeah uh, our idea is that it's kind of similar to that but imagine you, you that it's, a simple a better interface instead of saying oh I'm gonna have like oh wh- find the function names well it's gonna be func.star dot star space then something that starts with a letter whatever like that's a pain to write and also what if now you don't have a go function but you have a go method actually that will not work anymore right? So what we're doing is instead allowing you to extract the tokens that you care about. So we work with this concept that we call universal abstract syntax trees. And the whole idea is that it's an abstract syntax tree, so the result of parsing a program. But it allows you to extract things by using annotations. And those annotations are universal, right? So, say, a function. A function is a function no matter what programming language you have, right? An identifier, same thing. Strings, same thing. So if you want to extract a function, the function names, what you need to do is basically use the UAST function. You pass the content, you pass what language you want to use, and then you just pass something that it's an XPath thing yeah. that basically says the function names. Right. right. Same thing will work for Go, for Python, for Java, for no matter what programming language you're trying to use. So that that is the kind of power that you know. Yeah, you could use it with an incredibly like I would love to see the regular expression that does the same thing. <laughs> if someone has the time to write it, just for fun, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, just for just for pain. <laughs> but uh, I, I, that would take super long time. And even once you're done, if you ask the person that wrote it, are you completely sure that this covers really? all the cases? Probably the answer is no. Yeah. Right? So we are making it a much more reliable and easy way to kind of extract the same information that you could in some other ways
0: this episode is brought to you by clubhouse one of the biggest problems software teams face is having clear expectations set in an environment where everyone can come together to focus on what matters most and that's creating software and products their customers love The problem is that software out there trying to solve this problem is either too simple and doesn't provide enough structure or it's too complex and becomes very overwhelming clubhouse solves all these problems it's the first project management platform for software teams that brings everyone together it's designed from the ground up to be developer first product in its dna but also simple and intuitive enough that all teams can enjoy using it with a fast intuitive interface a simple api and a robust set of integrations clubhouse seamlessly integrates with the tools you use every day and gets out of your way learn more and get started at clubhouse.io slash changelog our listeners get a bonus two free months after your trial ends once again clubhouse.io changelog and by raygun raygun recently launched their application performance monitoring service apm as it's called it was built with a developer and devops in mind and they are leading with first class support for dotnet apps and also available as an azure app service they have plans to support .NET core followed by java and ruby in the very near future and they've done a ton of competitive research between the current APM providers out there and where they excel is the level of detail they're surfacing. New Relic and AppDynamics, for example, are more business-oriented, where Raygun has been built with developers and DevOps in mind. The level of detail it providing in traces allows you to actively solve problems and dramatically boost your team's efficiency when diagnosing problems. Deep dive into root cause with automatic link backs to source for an unbeatable issue resolution workflow. This is awesome. Check it out. Learn more and get started at rigun.com/apm. a prescription then for those listening out there thinking, I mean, I'd love to find some intelligence, Love to come in on a Monday morning with greater intelligence to my code base. Give some examples of how someone listened to this, whether they're in a larger team, smaller team, their own project, whatever. What's a good prescription for
1: getting up and running? So I would say that the best place to start is like you go to source.tech and check the engine, download it. Uh, It's a little binary and it only has one dependency, which is Docker. So you're probably you already have it on your computer. I was curious computer.
0: why on the Mac OS installation process, you didn't use Homebrew. I know it's just a binary file, and you just put it in your bin folder. But oh, I was we don't why. have Homebrew yet, but okay. we'll get there.
1: I know the process to install seems so simple. It's like probably a simple Homebrew, yeah, homebrew uh, recipe as well. I need to work on that, but, you know, it's been a busy week. <laughs> <laughs> but just yeah. going to any Mac
0: OS mm-hmm. install, I'm always, you know expecting a homebrew process yeah. or something specific to the way a language install I- certain things. There's an issue somewhere to implement I that. Bet. Sorry, yeah. for, <laughs> sorry for pulling that Oh, off.
1: no worries. No, but uh, so once you have that binary, however you install it, uh, the idea is that you can just run something like source SQL, right? And now you are inside of a SQL client and you are acquiring all of the code that you found, all of the Git repositories that you found from the, re- from the directory where you were, right? So now the cool thing is that you can start by doing things like you know, count the commits that you have per month or something like that. That is actually very interesting because you can see how, how much the team has been working over time. Or you can count the number of lines or things like this. These seems like pretty simple things, but even those are actually going to like, show weird things. Like For instance, for Kubernetes, uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to count the number of lines of code. It goes up, right? Sure. But it also goes down eventually. And it is really weird, because it goes down by a lot of lines of code. And I somebody started could, looking around. Fun. It yeah, and I was like, stuff. what is going on with this, right? So there's actually no matter what data set it is, you're gonna be finding a lot of cool stuff because those are organic data sets, right? We we keep on committing all the time and we we're gonna we're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna see from time to time like the number of files uh, goes up by, like, thousands and then goes down again. And then you look at that, it was like, huh, someone vendored the dependencies that they were not supposed to. <laughs> right? Like, all of these things Whoops. Yeah, like, whoops. But, yeah, all of these things, are you're able to see more information. And the thing is that as soon as you start playing with this, at least in my experience, the more answers you get, the more questions you get. Right? Like, okay, so I saw this, but what happened with this thing? Or you can also find things like, uh, something that it's, it's a really cool game. I'm gonna be open sourcing it soon. It's uh, have you ever heard about the degrees of bacon? No. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. yes, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. yeah. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. So you can do the six six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but on Git, right? Trying to figure out. So for me to say, I don't know, like uh, someone famous in the Go community, Rob Pike, right? How many degrees are there? So for me. I edited a file that was edited by someone else that edited another file that was edited by someone Dang. else that was edited by Rob Pike, something like that. And you can actually extract that information from Git, right? So you can do, like, you can extract really useful insights for your business, but also you can build pretty cool games. <laughs> so that's the thing, it's like, have fun with it. Uh, it's data. So if you've ever done any kind of data analysis, I mean, it's called data exploration for a reason. You do not necessarily know what you're gonna be finding. But that's the whole game, right? Like You're going to be able to extract some things. And then if you're actually interested on like some specific metrics, check out the Kubernetes blog post that we, that we wrote, uh, where we hit you. you're going to have all of the different queries that we ran. And you can run the same thing for you and see, for instance, the trends on how, what programming languages are you using. How are they growing? Are you using more Go than before? Or maybe you're using more Java or Python? All of these things are going to appear very clearly on your graphs.
0: What do you say that maybe some uh, for profit uh, say SaaS competitors hmm. to say this rough idea, which is basically data driven intelligence in a development team. So look at our code base, our repository, yep. learn some insights, you know. What is what do you know about other competitors and how do you see Sourced moving forward coming from open core, eventually gonna have your own products in different ways you can yep. sustain financially? I mean you are a company, so eventually, you know, you've got open source, but that's only going to last so long until you actually have to create some products to generate revenue. Where
1: will you be at in this space? So it is hard to answer because we are somewhere in between many different fields. Uh, there are some companies that do uh, metrics, like software metrics. But the thing is that the software metrics they provide are the software metrics they provide. That's it, right? So you can the tweak them. Yeah, like you can you get the no like, visibility into software. Me- yeah, like you can choose software metrics that... Some of them might be really interesting. Like you can do like, yeah, lines of code and stuff like that, number of commits, but also you can do things like uh, cyclomatic complexity, right? Like cyclomatic complexity, it's a really cool concept, uh, but probably doesn't apply to you. Like what you want is things like, actually, what I care about is how many comments do I have per function, right? Like, do I my functions correctly commented or not? Those things, probably what you want to do is express exactly what you want. And that's why I think that what we're building is something that many of the companies that compete with us, they could be powered by us, really.
0: That's what I was thinking, like it's almost as if you're you're building their future tools. If they've done what they've done and they've gotten maybe say two, three years into their business, yeah. but they don't have the tooling, they may actually retrofit their business to essentially become a service provider on top of. If they're interested source in doing engine, that talk to
1: us. Like that is that is the thing, right? Like what we're building So source is-
0: essentially is a standard. Source is, source engine at least is could become an open source standard for Absolutely. data intelligence and code bases. Yeah.
1: The idea is uh, we want to extract data from source code, right? Right. The most common way of storing source code is Git. The most common way of analyzing data is SQL. So we just put them together. And that is that is our first product, but we actually built it to extract information that then we can use to train models and do machine learning right We believe that many people are interested in doing that kind of things, and we want them to do it because mm-hmm. at the end of the day if we if we end up being successful, our code review tool which is called lookout, it will provide uh, an opportunity to write analyzers right to basically classify a piece of code as does this contain some specific thing or not? So does this contain a bug, does it not? Does this contain lint error or something like that, right? So those can be done with completely uh, traditional tooling, like linters and stuff like that. But also we believe that many of them will need machine learning. We cannot build all of those things. We're building the platform so other people can build on top of us.
0: So what you was is is, uh, is a product called Lookout. It's in beta right now. You it's, can request a demo obviously if you wanted to. So is so it So
1: Source Engine is in beta? I think that Source Lookout is in Alpha probably. It says here on your site beta. Really? Yeah. That's probably a mistake. Sign up for the beta. I see it right here, huh? <laughs> I'll talk I'll talk to <laughs> I'll talk to my team. I'm pretty sure that is that is an alpha normally. Uh, sign up for the beta for the Kubernetes oh, the Kubernetes. The sourced engine beta, yes. I'm pretty sure Lookout is still alpha, but anyway, it's still also again. Completely open source, you can check it out, run it on your on your project, et cetera. Okay. We do want to, so, uh, we do not think that running the engine as a as SaaS, as a software as a service, makes much sense because people do not want to send their code to random servers. But the source code analysis, the, sorry, the code review, uh, assist code review, we want to make that a SaaS. So eventually, you will be able to just add as a GitHub application that just reviews your code. We've done that for all of our projects, and it works really well. Like it's able to warn you about, hey, this piece of code is suspiciously, suspiciously similar to that piece of code in that dependency. Mm-hmm. Did you copy paste it? <laughs> like, or maybe you should be calling that function. right? Like, right. It, There's a lot of really good hints on what you should be doing, and we want to have more and more on that. And those probably will have eventually a SaaS version that you can just click a button, install it in your repositories in your GitHub or GitLab, and that's it. For many people, the people that really care about deep analysis of large code bases, they tend to also not want to share their source code.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for that, it doesn't make that much sense to have a SaaS. Uh, Makes sense. For for the engine, yeah.
0: So if um, if folks are on for the beta, what can they expect? You know, what what's uh? Or, sorry, alpha. I'm correct. Yeah. About-
1: so uh, that's what I was trying
0: to do—is tee up the fact that it's sort of an early release. Maybe you're even looking for feedback. Yeah.
1: So that's that's the whole point. Is we are trying to get people to use the product, file issues, uh, let us know what they think. File issues for things that do not work, but also for things that they would like to do. Right. Uh, this is a pretty young project. We opened, we released it uh, two months ago. I want to say something like that. So it's pretty early on. And uh, the idea is that we're going to be working with really large companies to try to make it as good as possible. But at the same time, we also want to have the input from the community because uh, they have different, different needs. right? So we don't want to end up having something that you know, targets only large companies, but is pretty useless for developers. We want to build something that everyone can get something from. Large companies, they're going to have some specific analysis and some specific things that that's what our enterprise edition will have, but also our free edition will always be free, mm-hmm. right? We want people to make sure that that becomes as good as possible. And also, if you feel like it, contribute. It's yeah. raining Go, it's a really cool project. Uh, we use a lot of open source, we use uh, Pilosa, which is for making indexes yeah. on SQL. We use Vitesse, uh, which is a Google thing that YouTube created between U- uh, their Python code and the MySQL. So we, we grabbed all of, the, um, all of the SQL parsing and stuff like that from there. Uh, we use regular expressions from, I forgot the name of the library. But uh, yeah, no, I totally forgot the name of the library. But it's also open source. So we are open source. We use everything in open source. And for now, we are analyzing also open source. So, you know, open source everywhere.
0: I was just thinking about that. Now, any future plans for any any sort of list you got running right now for future blog posts of different analysis on different source codes or have you got any requests? Uh,
1: so we've gotten would a couple of requests. Would like requests?
0: requests? Uh, yeah, absolutely. What would you Actually, call it? Request for analysis? Or request <laughs> request for, for analysis.
1: Yeah, that's a good name. Uh, so we, uh, we did this analysis in Kubernetes. And as soon as we did it, uh, there were some people saying, oh, what about if you do it for the competitors of Kubernetes, right? So uh, uh, Cloud Foundry, stuff like that. Like, people want to see how mature they are, stuff like that. Uh, I think that the next analysis that I want to do, I want to do it in a different language. So Kubernetes was mostly Go. Uh, I want to do it for TensorFlow, uh, because it's also a huge community. And it's a different language, mostly Python. Lots of C too, I think. Uh so trying to figure that out and probably in that analysis when I'm going to open source that six uh the six degrees off and it's obviously gonna be uh six degrees of what's his name? I forgot. Dean oh, the create one of the creators of Kubernetes, like Jeff Dean. That's it. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Dean. Dean. It's one of the big creators of like everything machine learning related at uh, Google. That's him behind it. So yeah, like if you're a contributor to Kubernetes, how many degrees away are you from Jeff Dean? I think it could be an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, if you have ideas on how to analyze this data from different axes, also super interested with that. So, if you have follow-up questions or projects that you would like to see analyzed, yeah, let us know. Uh, we are, we're gonna be working on those, trying to get one per month at least. Yeah. Because we've seen a lot, like really good. It's probably really good for growth. Yeah, it's really Adoption. good for growth. Really good for adoption and also really good for us, because yeah. uh, really good to see whether every analysis that we want to do, whether it's doable or not. So uh, there were some things that, you know, like, silly example, East Upper was not supported. So now we're going to be supporting right. East you Upper. you become a the, user too. I mean, yeah, you get I'm, a chance. I am the user. Like, it's all, also QA. You're QAing yeah, your product essentially by doing You know, developer relations, so developer relations, customer zero, all of mm-hmm. those things. I still keep on doing those things. So. Yeah, makes it's, sense. It's very, very useful. So, if people have ideas. Let me know. Yeah, one thing I love too, um, just to to mention
0: your website. I love when community is in the main nav. Oh yeah. Of open source based companies, because far too often it's like where where is the community? Who is the community? How's it represented? And how can I talk to the contributors? Too often, it's just too many clicks are hard to find out. Yeah, no. Who's we... involved in the team? How can I talk to somebody? How can I get? What's my on-ramp? You know, I'm. I get questions. Maybe it's a one-on-one. I prefer. And right here, you have community. And the second one down is talk to us. So
1: yeah, we very deeply care about community. Uh, there's there's some really active. Uh, we have a very active Slack community, uh, with a bunch of different channels. Machine learning is one of them. Super active. People are there talking about what they want us to build yeah. and stuff like that. We also have language analysis. If you're a language analysis geek. Uh, we are doing a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, the number of conversations that I've had about like uh, rust weird things or even Lisp or how to parse cobble and stuff like that, it is really cool. Like I'm a language nerd, I love different languages and I'm having lots of fun because of that. So yeah, even if you're not necessarily interested on what we're building with, which is this analysis, this analysis engine, and you're interested just on some of the details, I think there's a lot that you can learn from that. The concept of universal abstract syntax tree is being used by other engineers to do things like uh, security analysis of source code, things like this. So check it out, and join us, and uh, let us know what you think. And if you're working on something, it's always good. We have our mailing list, bi-weekly mailing list that was supposed to come out today, but there was Mm. no way I had the time to write it, uh, or Victor, uh, head of community. And uh, in that mailing list, we always have at the end of the mailing list, we ha- we uh, have a highlight on someone from the community that has done something cool, right? So we really really care about community. Yeah, join us. it's, yeah. it's a good community. And I'm sure that's probably the, the way you hire too is probably from. Yeah, we've been hiring members. We've been hiring through that. At uh, least it's one way. W- by the way, we are hiring. that's yeah. a good point. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we are trying to figure out like we, we have engineers that have been hired through this. Uh, we have also people hired through, they wrote about us, about like, oh, I've discovered this, wrote a blog post, and now they're going to be joining us soon. So yeah, like we're definitely hiring for so many different people, machine learning experts, language analysis experts, people in product management, people in developer relations. And the team is distributed, I assume? The team is very distributed. The CEO is remote, just to give you an idea. So the CEO is in Lisbon. Uh, we have people in Seattle, San Francisco, Madrid, London, and then somewhere in France, somewhere in Poland, somewhere in nice. Russia, somewhere in Ukraine, somewhere in many places. Yeah. So the good thing is, is all these jobs you have open. All are of these all jobs uh, worldwide. Most of them, except uh, there is a couple of them that are actually specifically for San Francisco, uh, but all of them are completely distributed, so you can work from wherever right. you feel like. Yeah.
0: Well, Francesco, it's been a pleasure to, to meet you with you and and Thank you, you know, known you for years, but just never really had a chance to sit down and have a conversation with you. This is the first time. It's kind of a bummer, actually, but good <laughs> at the same time. Let's
1: just make it not the last time. <laughs> That's right. Let's make it not the last time. Um, Basically, you know, we're looking for feedback. We're looking for participation. So uh, just go check out source.tech and then uh, find the community and join us. Cool. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for tuning in for this episode of the change log if you enjoyed the show. Do us a favor go to iTunes or Apple podcast. Leave us a rating or review, go into overcast and favorite it, tweet a link to it, share it with a friend. Of course. Thank you to our sponsors and our partners, Linode clubhouse and Ray gun. Also. Thank you to fastly, our bandwidth partner, to fastly.com to learn more. And we move fast and fix things around here at changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at rollbar.com changelog. And we're hosted on Lino cloud servers, leno.com changelog. Also special thanks to our friends at Cloud Native Computing Foundation for bringing us to KubeCon, Cloud Native Con. It was awesome to be there. If you wanna hear more episodes like this, subscribe to our master feed at changelog.com slash master or go into your podcast app and search for Change Love Master. You'll find it. Subscribe, get all of our podcasts in a single feed, as well as some extras that only hit the master feed. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon.